Well, good morning, High Life, and welcome to our service this morning. Uh, this is the day the Lord has made, and we will continue to rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, we're going to continue our teaching um, on the threefold dimensions of sonship uh, today. Uh, but before we get into the word, uh, let us bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, we're just so thankful that we are, we are yours and you are ours. Uh, we are in you and you are in us. Uh, thank you, O oh God, because uh, you have immersed us uh, into your body and you have made us all to drink of the same spirit. We are one together in you. What a glorious life it is in Christ. Uh, uh, we ask uh, this morning as we spend a few moments in your word, uh, we ask you to light our candles and lighten our darkness. Thank you for illumination. We are sons of light and therefore we see in your light, we do see light. So Holy Spirit, we submit to your uh, mentorship, to your leadership, to your guidance this morning. Uh, we're so grateful in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, as I mentioned, we've been talking about the threefold dimensions of sonship. You know, in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, the Bible makes it clear that um, the ascended Christ, when he rose from the dead, from his place of exaltation, um, gave gifts um, to, to men. And in, uh, in Ephesians 4.13, it speaks about these, these gifts being grace ministries, enabling ministries, uh, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and the purpose of these ministries um, is to um, equip the saints. In verse 13, it says, these grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness in faith, in the faith, until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God. And of course, the word knowledge, epignosis, uh, speaks about uh, a higher knowledge, a knowledge that has an experience attached to it. It's not just knowing the Son of God, but experiencing the full dimensions of the Sonship of Christ. Uh, and finally, become one perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed in the abundance of Christ. Hallelujah. And we could spend time talking about that, okay? Maturity in the abundance of everything Christ is, okay? Because everything he is, is everything that we are destined to become uh, in order that he may be uh, one amongst his brothers, okay? Verse 14 says, and then our immaturity will end and will not only be easily, will not be easily shaken by trouble nor led astray by novel teachings or by the false doctrines of deceivers who teach clever lies. But instead, we will remain strong and always sincere in our love as we express the truth. All our direction, everyone say all our direction, all our directions and our ministries will flow from Christ and lead us deeper into him, the anointed head of his body, the church. So this place of a, a maturity this place of maturity is a place of total command and control by the head, okay? Where everything springs from Christ. Everything springs from the Christ dimension. There is no um, indication or no movement of the body that, is, that, is, um, that, that comes from independent control. Everything is, func we are functioning as one. Head and body functioning together. All, all ministries all direction flowing from Christ and leading us deeper into Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. For his body has been firmed in his image and is closely joined together and constantly connected as one. 
one together, one with him. Okay, you cannot be rightly connected to the head if you're not rightly connected to the body. We are one, okay? Um, a mystical union of head and body and parts with one another. And every member has been given gifts to contribute to the growth of all. And as these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body, we are built up and made perfect in uh, we're built up and made perfect in love. We're built up and made perfect in love. So that is the work of the Holy Spirit growing us into Christ, um, into the Christ dimension, into the head. Okay, and and we began to introduce this last week: the the union between the head and his body. Okay, the union between the head and his body. If you look at Ephesians chapter one verse twenty-two, I'll just read two verses from there. From different translations. The New King James put it this way. Speaking about the authority of the Son, uh, we talked about, uh, we looked at uh, Matthew 28, 16 last week, but speaking about the authority of the exalted Christ, it says, God or he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. So remember in, in Matthew 28, 18, where Jesus said, all the authority of the universe has been given to me. And immediately he spoke to his disciples and said, go now in my authority. What authority? All the authority of the universe. Go in that same authority. Almost as though this authority that he has been given is actually for the church. Because he immediately said, all the authority of the universe has been given to me. Now go in all the authority of the universe, all my authority, and make disciples of all nations. Well, we see that confirmed here in Ephesians 1.22, this direct link between the authority he has been given and that authority being for the church. He says, he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. Uh, which is his body, the fullness of him who feels all in all. The New Living Translation put this, this, puts it this way. It says, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. He is made full and complete by Christ. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Okay, you see, there's no getting away from it that Christ is both the head and his body. You, you don't give your body a separate name to your name, to the name of the head. Christ, the head and the body are one. We are one with Christ. With all the implications that go with that. Uh, and, and it's not just something we, we, um, we, we extrapolate or we... Conclude. It's something he categorically said when he said in Matthew 28, 18, that all the authority of the universe has been given to me. Therefore, go in my authority. Here it says that the authority of Christ, all things have been put under the authority of Christ. And he has been made head over all things for the benefit, <clears throat> for the benefit of the church. Okay, for the benefit of the church. So all the authority of Christ is for the benefit of the church. And that makes sense. Does God need to be given any authority over his creation? Of course not. He's the creator of all things. So Christ has not been given authority as God. Christ was given authority 
as the last Adam, as, the, as an exalted man. So in Christ, redeemed humanity has been given all the authority of the universe. It says, verse 23, and the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. <clears throat> Christ fills all things everywhere with himself. Himself being his head and his body. His head and his body. So he fills everywhere with himself. He is king over all things as Christ. We saw this last week in, in Daniel 7, where it says the kingdom will be given to his holy people. He feels everything in every dimension with himself. So the jurisdiction of his body, the jurisdiction of Christ, and that authority is through the expanse of all created uh, and the multiverses of God. Those are the dimensions that we are called to operate in as the church. The Message Bible puts it this way. It says he is in charge of it all. He has the final word on everything. At the center of it, of this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts and by which he feels everything with his presence. Christ feels everything with his presence through the church. Christ speaks through the church. Christ acts through the church. He feels everything with his presence through the church. He speaks through the church. That's you and I. He acts through the church. So we are one with him. When did he receive this authority? <clears throat> when he was raised from the dead. When did we receive this authority? When he was raised from the dead. This is our position in him, um, which we received when we were quickened in him and he was raised as the last Adam. So our growth in the son, our growing into him, is growing in the functional operation of Christ as king. Growing in him is growing in that functional operation, functional dimension of Christ as King. So the work of the Holy Spirit in us is growing us in our operation as kings. Because if Christ is King, then you are a king in him. And the Spirit is growing you and I into that operation. Let's look at Revelation 17, verse 12. Revelation 17, 12 states, The ten horns of the beast are ten kings who have not yet risen to power. They will be appointed to their kingdoms for one brief moment to reign with the beast. They will all agree to give him their power and authority. Together they will go to war against the lamb. But the lamb will defeat them because he is Lord of Lords and King of all kings. 
and his called and chosen and faithful ones will be with him. The Lamb will defeat them because he is Lord of all lords and King of all kings. And his called and chosen and faithful ones will be with him. We will always be with Christ. He's called the King of all kings. Um, but he's one with the church. The king of all the kings of the earth. But we are one with him as kings. We will always be with him because we are in him and he is in us. So we're, we're talking about growing in our operation functionally as kings. <clears throat> because that is a dimension of sonship. A dimension of sonship. You know, again, in Matthew 28, he talks about, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go in my authority and make disciples of all nations. So we're going to make disciples of all nations through, the, through growing in the authority and exercising the authority of Christ as king. That's how we make disciples of all nations. And that's why, for instance, when Paul was speaking to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 2, he said, this message or the message I preached and how I preached it was not an attempt to sway you with persuasive arguments, but to prove to you the almighty power of God's Holy Spirit. For God intended that your faith should not be established on man's wisdom, but by trusting in his almighty power. The preaching of the cross is effective through the exercise of the authority of Christ. It is not through the um, persuasive words of man's wisdom, um, but by a demonstration of the spirit and of power. Because we make disciples through the exercise of the authority of Christ. That is part of our kingly dimension. I quoted from Luke ten nineteen last week. Where Jesus said, now, you understand that I've imparted to you all my authority to trample over his kingdom. That's Satan's kingdom. You will trample upon every demon before you and overcome every power Satan possesses. Absolutely nothing will be able to harm you as you walk in my authority. It is important to understand that the authority of the king is backed by all the power of his kingdom. So as we begin to function as sons in the authority of the king, all the power of the kingdom of God is made available to us. Okay? We saw last week Ecclesiastes 8.4 that says, where the word of a king is, there is power. Where we stand, where we function in his authority, every word we speak is backed by the power of his kingdom. By the power of his kingdom. Okay, And we have been called to share in the glory of his kingdom, which is exercised as we exercise that authority. You know, every time a, a, a policeman gets up in the middle of traffic and puts up his hand, putting up his hand does not stop traffic from moving. They, they stop because they recognize that that action of putting up his hand is backed by the power of of the kingdom he speaks about and represents. And if they flout his exercise of authority, 
they will be brought into obedience through the power of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is even more real. Every time we stand and declare and speak in the name of Jesus, the, 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 the every, every, um, every created being recognizes the, des the, the delegated authority we've received and all of heaven stands at attention to ensure that <clears throat> every word that is spoken in the authority of the Son is obeyed. And where there's any attempt to flout that authority, the power of heaven is released to bring that, um, that, that um, subject into obedience. And that's why Jesus said in, in, in Luke 10, 19, that you will trample upon every demon before you and overcome every power Satan possesses. Absolutely nothing will be able to harm you as you walk in this authority because all of heaven will back every word that you speak. You know, I love Hebrews eleven thirty-two to 34 that speaks about this. It says that what more could I say to convince you? For there is not enough time to tell you of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. Through faith's power, they conquered kingdoms and established true justice. They have faith fastened onto their promises and pulled them into reality. It was faith that shut the mouth of lions and put out the power of rage and fire and caused many to escape certain death by the sword. In their weakness, their faith imparted power to make them strong. Faith sparked courage within them, and they became mighty warriors in battle, pulling armies from another realm into battle array. Their faith, as they exercised their authority, their faith pulled armies from another realm into battle array. Every time you exercise your faith, every time you exercise your authority as a king in his kingdom, all of heaven stands on attention, at attention, and the armies of heaven are deployed to enforce the authority of the king, that you have the authority to, um, uh, to release. If you read Psalm 18, it's actually a very exciting read. <clears throat> read it in the Passion Translation, where David called out to God in distress, where he was facing an army that was too strong for him. And the Bible says that the curtains of heavens open and, and, and the might of God's power came on the cherub and the lightnings of God were released and they, 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 they squashed the armies of the enemy. That was a real thing. It's not just um, allegorical language. It speaks about the dimension of the power of God that is made available to us as we stand in the authority of the sun. You know, when Peter and John were at the beautiful gate and, um, and they, they, they said, silver and gold have I known, what I have I give unto you in the name of Jesus to the, the man that was begging alms and he got healed. And when the Pharisees challenged them, they said, the name through faith in the name was what made this man whole. The power of the name released by our faith in the name. It took faith to stand and say, Silver and gold I do not have, but there's something I have. I have the authority of the sun. 
in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. When they made that declaration, power was released. And that power was released from the realm of heaven based on the authority that they had to speak to that body and to release healing. And that, and that power filled that man who was born that way and filled him with strength. It is therefore critical that we understand what the Holy Spirit is growing us into to um, an increasing functional operation as kings under the king. And this um, qualifies how we're meant to function in the earth. You know, in Job twenty two twenty eight, I read from the King James, it says, Thou shalt decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon your ways. You will decree a thing. You know, kings don't beg. Kings don't beg. Um, and we're going to talk a more about this. Uh, because it, 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 it's it, the the rel we need to move away from um, a religious posture that has been um, established through inaccurate interpretation of scripture to one where we come into the light of revelation of who we have been made in Christ and who Christ is in us. The Christ in us speaks in us and acts through us. So the Spirit of God is growing us into him to function more and more like him. And, and, and this is the language of Job here. You will decree a thing and it will be established unto you. You know, when Jesus spoke about the ecclesia in Matthew um, 16, in verse 19, he said that I give you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you permit on earth must already be granted permission in heaven whatever you refuse to permit whatever you forbid on earth must already have been forbidden in heaven expressing the fact that as one with him we establish that which in in, in the earth that which he has declared to be his will in the heavens that is growing us in our kingly dimension of making declarations, of enforcing the authority of the king uh, through the declaration of our hearts and our mouths that are in alignment with heaven. That is what we are being grown into as those who are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. You know, last week I spoke about um, about the um, this dimension of operation as a king, judging on righteousness in the earth, expanding the, the, the kingdom through the declaration of our mouths, walking in tandem as one with the, the exalted Christ. You know, if you look at Matthew 10, verse 8, and, and this these dimension is a dimension that we see all through the Gospels. We see it in the Old Testament. We see it in the operations of David. 
But in Matthew 10, verse 8, Jesus said, speaking to the disciples, you must continually bring healing to lepers and to those who are sick and make it your habit to break off the demonic presence from people and raise the dead back to life. Freely you have received the power of the kingdom, so freely release it to others. You have received this freely, freely release it. So we're a people that are meant to be exercising the authority of the king over sickness and disease, over demonic powers, speaking against that which the enemy is trying to establish in the earth. Because the Bible makes it very clear that for this reason, the Son of Man was made manifest to loose humanity from the bondage of darkness. I believe that's 1 John 3 eight, To loose humanity and as his arms and as his feet and as his voice, we establish the authority of the king in every dimension, um, which is where we are called to operate, to judge the works of darkness in every sphere. Yeah, in every sphere. God is not worried about your industry because you are there. He's not worried about your family because you are there. He's not worried about your nation because you are there. Okay? Um, just like his presence in the earth made the difference. The disciples' presence in the earth made the difference. Uh, David's presence in Israel made the difference. Uh, you and I are here as the voice of God. And through the authority of the king, we will establish the kingdom in every space that he has placed us. As we embrace more and more of the understanding of our authority in Christ. And that's why the Bible says that when you ask, it will be given to you. When you seek, you will find. When you knock, the door will be open to you because you are a king in his kingdom. And as we learned last week, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter and the honor of kings to search out a matter. Okay, so we, we, we are stared by the Lord. We're invited by the Lord to come into the annals of his kingdom and to explore and to, and to participate. He invites us to participate, to understand, to inquire. And then as we receive revelation, to exercise that revelation in the expansion of of his kingdom in the earth. This is very much a God and Son's operation. You know, let's look at a couple of examples. <clears throat> and um, um, one from the, from the Old Testament and one from the New, just demonstrating this in practice. You remember the incident in Exodus 14 <clears throat> where the Lord, excuse me, where the Lord um, had delivered, I mean, the, uh, the children of Israel from Egypt and they were actually on their way to the promised land. But at some point, he actually led them um, to by the way of the Red Sea. And of course, we know the reason. He was, he was essentially trying to trap, uh, to lure um, Pharaoh into a final contest. And... Um, and in, in Exodus 14, we see what happened. Uh, Pharaoh took the bait, as it were, and decided to chase them down because he felt that um, there was no way out for them because on either side was the wilderness, um, like mountainous regions, and then in front of them was the Red Sea. So it was like they were trapped. And um, the children of Israel 
saw Pharaoh coming uh, with, his, uh, with his mighty host, and they began to cry out and complain to, to Moses. And Moses said, don't worry, the Egyptians you see today, you will not see again uh, forever, and the Lord is going to deliver us. And then, of course, he cried out to God, as you would expect. But if you, let's take up the story from verse 15. It says, the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Well, I guess the answer would be because we want you to deliver us, right? That's what we would think of. Lord, I'm crying out to you because we need your deliverance. But the Lord said to him, why are you, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. Now, it's, it almost seemed like the Lord was a bit irritated with Moses and saying, Moses, you know better than this. Why are you crying out to me as though the solution is, not, is, coming, is going to come from me? You have the solution in your hand. You have the authority. Pick up your rod, which is your staff of authority. And instead of crying out to me, tell the people to move forward. Raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water. So the Israelites can walk through. Now, it would sound like a commandment that, you know, was a bit incredible, right? But God expected Moses to understand who he was. You see, earlier in his interaction with Moses, in, in, in Exodus 7 verse 1, it says, The Lord said to Moses, pay close attention to this, I will make you seem like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. I will make you like God. In other words, I, I am the, the pow, my power is going to be exercised through you. And you are going to be the, the dominating force in Egypt. I will make you like God to Pharaoh. And now, God was showing Moses, how to function in that kingly authority, where he would now function, not just like God to Pharaoh, but like God in the earth, because it is only God that can get up in the earth and divide the sea. It is only God that the elements will obey. But it, the way the Lord communicated to Moses was like, you need to know this. You are my extension in the earth. Get up, take your staff, spread, stretch it over the sea and divide it. Incredible. Incredible. Well, the Lord is inviting you and I to enter into the same Christ dimension of king. It's an incredible proposition, but it is what the Holy Spirit is, is inviting us into, is what the Lord, by his death, burial, and resurrection, has made available to us. It is what the Spirit of God is grooming us into. We're not a begging people. We're a declaring people. We're a people that exercise and expand the kingdom through the sound of our voice. We're a people that when we speak, heaven stands at attention. 
and the armies of heaven are pulled into battle array based on the words of our mouth. You know, the Bible says that the angel of the Lord divided the sea all night based on what Moses did. Based on what Moses did. It wasn't based on what God did, based on what Moses did, because God commanded Moses. God said, why are you asking me? You have this. You've got this, son. And the Lord is saying the same to you and I. Let's flip over to the New Testament. Look at Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. It says, later that day, after it grew dark, Jesus went to his disciples. Let's cross over to the other side of the lake. After they had sent the crowd away, they shoved off from the shore with him as he had been teaching from the boat. And there were other boats that sailed with them. Suddenly, as they were crossing the lake, a ferocious tempest arose with violent winds, violent winds and waves that were crashed into the boat until it was all but swamped. But Jesus was calmly sleeping in the stern, resting on a cushion. So they, all, they shook him awake, saying, Teacher, don't you even care that we're all about to die? Fully awake, he rebuked the storm and shouted to the sea, Hush, calm down. All at once, the wind stopped howling and the water became perfectly calm. Then they turned to his disciples and said to them, Why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Haven't you learned to trust yet? Why are you so afraid? Haven't you learned to trust yet? You know, if we look at Matthew's account of this, if we look at Matthew chapter 8, or verse 24 says, Suddenly a violent storm developed with waves so high the boat was about to be swamped. Yet Jesus continued to sleep soundly. And the disciples woke him up saying, save us, Lord. We're going to die. But Jesus reprimanded them. Why are you gripped with fear? Where is your faith? Then he stood up and rebuked the storm and said, be still. And instantly it became perfectly calm. It became perfectly calm. Why are you gripped with fear? Where, where is your faith? Where is your faith? You know, um, when you think about it, I mean, the Lord had already declared what they were going to do. We're going to the other side. Um, he was with them in the boat. And the Lord was soundly asleep in the boat. Now, when they woke Jesus up, The way he responded, it was almost like, the Lord was like, um, it was like, do you really think you're going to die in the storm while I'm here with you? That was the first thing. <clears throat> but the more you think about the way the Lord responded, it was almost as though the Lord was not expecting them to wake him up. He was surprised that they woke him up. Um... Because it was something that they could have dealt with. He said, where is your faith? Where is your faith? Why are you not exercising your faith in your understanding of who you are? You are in close proximity with me. And therefore, you have the power to exercise my authority. 
You know, when we don't fully realize who we are in him, we inadvertently do not realize our place in the story. Because they expected Jesus to be the deliverer. Just like Moses expected God to be the deliverer. And yes, the Lord is the deliverer. But because Moses did not recognize who he was, he did not recognize his place in the story. Moses divided the sea through the exercise of his authority in God. In the very same way, this story in, math, in Mark chapter 4 could have been titled The Time the Disciples Calmed the Storm. That's meant to be the title of that. Because, but because they did not recognize their authority in God, they did not recognize their place in the story. In like manner, you and I must recognize our place in the story. We are the ones that have been given the keys of the kingdom. We are the ones that have been given the authority of the universe that was given to the Son. All of heaven is looking at the church. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, waiting on the church to exercise the, the, the authority that he has designated to the church. All of heaven is waiting for the sound of faith to come from the earth of a people that have come into the understanding of their authority and are decreeing and declaring instead of gathering around the throne, begging for mercy. We're going to talk about the mercy of God later on because I feel that Ephesians 4 has been misunderstood because it is an insight into our function as priests, not as kings. Not as kings. Because a king does not beg for mercy. A king decrees. A king declares. And that is what we are called to be. You know, I want to end this session by just examining a Greek word that we see um, applied over and over again in the New Testament. Let us look at Luke chapter 4, and um, we're going to start reading here from verse... Verse 33, it says, in the congregation, there was a demonized man who screamed out with a loud voice, hey, you, get away from us and leave us alone. I know who you are. You are Jesus of Nazareth, um, God's holy one. Why are you coming to meddle with us? You have come to destroy us already. Have you come to destroy us already? Just then the demon hurled the man down on the floor in front of him, in front of them all. But Jesus rebuked the demon. The word is rebuked. He rebuked the demon, be quiet and come out of him. And the demon came out of him without causing him any harm. Great astonishment swept over the people 
And they said among themselves, what kind of man is this who has such power and authority? With a mere word, he commands demons, they come out and they obey him. The reports about Jesus spread like wildfire throughout every community in the surrounding region. After leaving the meeting that day, Jesus went into Simon's house where Simon's mother-in-law was sick with a high fever. And uh, the disciples begged Jesus to help her. Jesus took, stood over her and he rebuked the fever. And she was healed instantly. And they got up and began to serve him. That word is the word rebuked. He rebuked. He rebuked demons. He rebuked fever. Um, <clears throat> it was a, a word that was used over and over and over again. And, and this is the kingly dimension of Christ in operation. The word rebuke there is the Greek word epitimao. Epitimao. It's a composite word. Epi means upon or higher, where we have epignosis, higher. Timao speaks to judge, means to judge. It literally means to judge or to critique from a high standard. To judge or to critique from a high standard. You see, as we begin to function as sons, and we begin to function in, in, uh, in the kingly, in our kingly capacity, it begins by understanding where we are functioning from. The Bible makes it very clear that we were raised with Christ and we are seated with him in heavenly places um, at the right hand of all authority, all power and all rule. To begin to function in a kingly capacity, we must understand where we are. We are seated at the right hand of God and it is from the right hand of God that we administer, we administrate the affairs of the kingdom. That is where it begins. We are coming from that place. We are operating from there. Okay? And that is why we always begin. Um, we always begin with, should I say we begin with the solution? Yeah? We begin with the solution. We don't start with the problem. No, we start with the solution because we are in the place of the solution. We start with the exceeding great and precious promises that shows us what we already have. Look at um, Psalm 23, for instance. It says, if you're looking at it from the Passion Translation, it talks about the Lord being my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than I need. I always have what I need. I have more than enough. I have more than enough. I have more than enough. If there's a need in your life, to administer from Eden, to administer from the throne, to function as king, you start from where you are. Where you are is that you have more than enough. That is what we must see. That is what we must declare. The exceeding great and precious promise of God shows you what you have. And as we begin to declare that, as we begin to declare that, as we begin to administer from heaven, That is where we will begin to function in the council of the king, starting from that place of provision. In like manner here, we see Epitimao, judging from a high standard, from that place of authority. Jesus spoke to a demon, commanded it to come out from its place of authority, 
Remember <coughs> the um, uh, the centurion, you know, that said to Christ and said, speak the word only. He said, I am also a man under authority. I say to this one, go, and he goes. I said to that one, come, and he comes. You just speak your word. He recognized Christ's place of authority and his, his authority to speak to things and they would obey him. We need to, be, begin, to, to begin to function as kings. We need to understand or, or, or embrace where we are operating from and begin to make declarations from the revelation of our position. Epitimao, to judge from a high standard. So Jesus spoke to the demon from a high standard and the demon obeyed because he was backed by the power of the king and the kingdom rather. He spoke to the fever and the fever obeyed because he was judging it from a high standard. Yeah, just like you have the same authority to judge things from a high standard, to judge circumstances from a high standard. That high standard being the revelation of where we are. That high standard being the understanding of the exceeding great and precious promise that covers the area you are speaking about. And as we speak from that place of understanding and faith, all of heaven backs what we have to say. And the earth obeys and the, the kingdom of darkness gives room and circumstances give room. Jesus rebuked, the, he answered the fig tree in Mark 11. And the, the fig tree dried up from its roots because he was speaking from a high standard. And he immediately said to his disciples in Mark eleven twenty two, have the same faith of God, have the faith of God. And he said, whoever will make the same declaration from the same place will have the backing of heaven in the same way. Yeah. As we embrace these truths and embrace this kingly dimension, we will begin to expand in our, in our fruitfulness and expand in our scope and expand in our sight. Because where the word of a king is, there is power. Christ is king and you are a king in him. Function as him in the earth. Embrace the revelation of the Son. Embrace the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And begin to rule and reign in this life as a king. Thank you for joining me today. God bless you.